0: Okay, shalom Racha to everybody. Thank you so much for joining. So we continue our journey with Rabbi Nachman, Zechusa Yagen Aleinu, and Rabbi Nassen. to the Sefer Sikha Saran, We are now b'shi'at up to Sicha seventy-seven, Ayin Zayin. Having spent the last three weeks on Ayin Vav, Baruch Hashem, many people really reached out and expressed how that sicha really changed things for them, broadened the possibilities for them to connect to Hashem's Torah in the deepest way. Chaz de Hashem. What a privilege that we have to learn these teachings together. And what a privilege it is for us. And this is not something that is new. It's something that happens again and again and again, where we sense the siyat of the that this particular shir and chabura and series has, where again and again, the teachings that we just happen to be up to coincide exactly with where we are in the year and provide insight for us to be able to connect more deeply with whatever Chag it happens to be that we're holding by. And now the same is true for the three weeks. We're up to Torah, Ayin, Zion. And as we're going to see, Rabbi Nachman addresses a topic that's fundamental to understanding this time period, to understanding what broke and much more importantly to understanding how you and I, in a very literal level, can be a part of the fixing in a mamish, dramatically relevant uh, way. And so Be'ezus Hashem, as usual, will share our screen. And let us jump into these teachings, Be'ezus Hashem, oh, this is the wrong series, one second. There um, you go. Okay. I ayin Zion. Let's begin, B'si'ata deShmaya, and with the great gratitude that I feel to all of you, always for joining me, for joining us in this endeavor, to be blessed with B'si'ata deShmaya. Says the Hillel Rebbe's Chusayag and Aleinu stand by us and all of Am Israel. Kala Eila male The whole world is full of Machlokes. The whole world is absolutely saturated with discord, disagreements. Fighting this is true for the nations of the world. and every city and every locale is constantly beset by discord, by argumentation, by ma. And then he goes a little bit more specific even than that There's no home that isn't beset both in terms of the general location where the where the home is situated byhenim. How it relates to the interpersonal relationships between neighbors, and then within each home, every every person, he says, "Be Kol There's never been a husband and wife that haven't had some level of machlokes between them. That's normal. Ubein be'sai and siblings, umisharsav ubanav, and the cleaning man or lady or anybody else who happens to be within the home. There's going to be machlokes there. Pretty dire, no? From the master of optimism from Rabbi Nachman, but if you take a couple of steps back, you think about this, the way that the Rebbe portrayed this is that on every single level of human social function, from the most abstract, so to speak, macro level, when we speak about nations, to the most micro, when we speak about just a person's own apartment or a person's own home, the Rebbe says that every single strata, every layer and level of human inter- connection is going to be filled with machlekes. And says the Rebbe, in the meantime, so dramatic and so heartbreaking. He says, in the meantime, and that's why I put it in bold here, ein mishiyasim alibay hatachlis. Everybody's busy fighting. Everybody is busy deciding what they want to oppose and what ideals they want to stand for, that in the name of these ideals, they must stomp on somebody else. And in the meantime, says the Rebbe, precious moments are passing away. Nobody focuses their heart on the actual purpose for which we were put in this world. Shabachol yoyim ha'adam meis, says the Rebbe. And again, it's, Breslov is, is um, unfortunately so often stereotyped as being this absolutely positively focused, optimistic approach where, you know, everything is good all the time and, and every person is fine and everything is great and, and and there's certainly a lot of that. But you don't expect to hear from Rabbi Nachman these five words. B'chol ha'adam meis. A person dies b'chol every day. Every single day a person gets just a little bit closer to death. Because the day that passed will never return. We don't usually think about it in that way. We think about, okay, this is what I have to do today. This is what I have to do tomorrow. Some people who are cursed and also blessed, but mostly cursed, but also blessed with mortal illnesses are forced to be more cognizant of this. They don't live in the same world that you and I live in. A person needs to have tremendous... um, strength to do this but you can if you'd like with not so much effort you can find on sites like YouTube and and other sites you can find the logs or the blogs if you will uh, oh vlogs video logs of people who are suffering from hopeless diseases that they're they're gonna they're gonna die the days are numbered and you can watch and I think it's instructive even though it's it's extremely unsettling and a person has to know where they're holding and what will trigger them emotionally and, and different people have different sensitivities. But for me personally it's extremely inspiring because it forces a person to focus on what really matters. Chazal <laughs> say Isn't it better to go to a house of mourning in a certain sense than to go to a simcha? And I bless us all with with Total, total opportunities all the time to go to Bate simcha, to, to weddings and to bar mitzvahs and to, and to beautiful bris and joyous events. But there's something to be gained. It's like a different life. It's like a different world that these people are living in. Because they're forced to confront their mortality. You and I are not going to be here forever. To a healthy, normal person, very difficult uh, to hold on to this perspective all the time. Very challenging. But says the Rebbe, it's something that we ought to think about, especially when instead of focusing on this and striving, again, the Rebbe doesn't expect us, oh, to recognize life is limited and then we're going to start living like angels. That's never the point. The point is, is we're not not angels, we're humans. But the point is to have a growth-oriented mindset. Says the Rebbe, if a person could focus on this and recognize, every day the person is dying a little bit, so we're less likely to spend our time caught up in the emotions internally and the external activities that oftentimes accompany discord, machloikis, unpleasantness, pettiness. Says the Rebbe, we have to remember why we're here. Time is precious. Life is precious. Life is not guaranteed. Then the Rebbe says, Veda and a person ought to know, shachol echad. That in truth, everything is one. Meaning, everything that we just spoke about, the machloikis between nations, the but in cities, the machloikis between neighbors, the machloikis within one's home, it's all one aspect. It's all one thing. ish The machloikis that a person has within his own home and all the other layers of machloikis between shuls and between Rabbanim and between tzaddikim who gamkane Malchus vha umos Fascinating thing. Says the Rabbi, it is exactly the same as the Machloikis as the discord between nations. It's exactly the same. Second. Okay, it's exactly the same, he says. Every person within his own home, they're fighting one with the other. Says the Rebbe, It's the same thing, like there are wars and battles between the nations of the world. Every person needs to recognize and understand, what nation am I? we know that the different nations of the world have different traits this one is angry and this one is, is more calm and this one is interested in this thing and this one has this ambition different natures says the Rebbe the world is a lot smaller than you think the world is a lot smaller than you think when we stop to reflect on a household says the Rebbe it's the entire world and every person is another nation And even sometimes, if one individual doesn't want to fight, and he just wants to stay out of it, right? He just wants to just sit in peace. He's got to come into that experience of discord and wars. It's the same thing when it comes to nations sometimes you find a nation that just wants to stay out of of, of conflict wants to be neutral doesn't want to take a stance they it doesn't want to fight at all it would be willing to make whatever concessions necessary to be able to stay out of the of the conflict says the before it knows it it, it it's being dragged into this experience of war, because this side says you have to be on my side, until he ends up as part of the as part of the discord also, because he wants to stand for peace and the others want to stand for war, and so Memela, you're also now a side of the of the battle. The same thing happens within a person's own home. If a person has a fight in the family and somebody wants to say neutral, that neutrality is also a side. Because this one feels that this person should be opposed to that one. And that one feels that this person really ought to be opposed to that one. And there's no way out. Says the Rebbe, there's no way out. Because every person is a whole world. And everything that goes on in the world is included within the person. Certainly the individual along with the members of his household. And there are conflicts that arise and there are different interests and those interests oftentimes come into conflict one with the other. There's Machleikas. Now before going further into the final point that the Rebbe makes in the Sicha and then Ba'ezus Hashem we have a lot to do. So we're going to take a look at very long Lekutei is I really doubt we'll get through uh, most of this but maybe we'll split it into two Shire and we'll do one this week and one leading up to to uh, oh, unless next week is Tishabav already. Okay, so we'll, we'll, we'll figure that out. Okay. No, no, no. Leading up to tishabav It's only Monday. Okay. So the Rebbe makes the last point of Ah Before the Rebbe makes the last point just wanted to talk out two Nakudas that relate to this perspective. And the first is as follows. Sometimes a person reflects on the situation in the world at large, and we wonder, like, how can we have any impact on these situations? Gigantic nations with millions upon millions of people that are all stirred up in one side of a conflict toward the other. And the same is true for the other nation, stirred up in conflict in the other direction. We think to ourselves, like, what, what good is it? What use is it? We're just individuals. And what the Rebbe is doing here, and it, it should be obvious that this is true, the Rebbe is taking the whole And enabling us to recognize that the whole is nothing other than the sum of its parts. Which means that the concept of humanity doesn't exist. There is no human race. There isn't an union of billions and billions and billions of of people that now become humankind. With nations that have millions of people and other nations that have millions of people. Says the Rebbe, no. There's only one person. There is one person eight billion times. But this concept of humanity that seems so incredibly impossible to affect, to impact, says the Rebbe, let's not blow anything out of proportion. A war? Two nations fighting one another for land or for any other reasons that each one would have an interest that they have says the rabbi it's nothing other than the conflation of feelings that you yourself feel inside of you that get maximized when they spread throughout the hearts of millions upon millions of people but you have something fundamental to do with that conflict you're not divorced from it you're not removed from it and in understanding this you can have an impact and a bearing on that situation by trying to the best of your ability to overcome whatever tendency you have inside of you that if it were to be externalized on the level of millions and millions of people it would become a nation fighting against other nations. Tremendously powerful thing. That means one human being alone is, is, a, is, is an entire universe within him or herself. I can't change the world, but I can try to get myself in order. And if I can get myself in order, says the Rebbe, it's inestimable the impact that that has on the entire world, because the entire world is, in a sense, an extension of yourself. Because it isn't the entire world, it's the degree to which a particular energy of one kind, or a particular energy of another kind, is manifest within the world. And all that each of us individually are called upon to do is to turn down or to turn up the energies that are necessary within our own inner world and if we can do that we've done our part not just vis-a-vis our own lives but vis-a-vis the entirety of the world that's point number one point number two we're going to see in the context of the end of this lesson which we're getting to now and the Rebbe says like this the alkane therefore when a person sits alone in a forest it's it's possible for such a person to to go crazy to get out of his mind if a person lives alone for too long in solitude says the rabbi why now there are many reasons why that might be But the Rebbe gives a reason based on what we've been learning. The reason that this happens is he's alone. And because there's nobody else around him to manifest the energies of this nation or that nation, so all of that is taking place within his own self. is And he's beset by a tremendous amount of inner conflict. This he constantly has to shift his personality and his angle and his perspective and his focus from one angle to another angle. Because he's alone. And alone, all of the energies are manifesting in a very, very high degree vis-a-vis one another because there is no other for them to unify as a force vis-a-vis someone else, in relation to someone else. It's just within himself because all of them are wrapped up within himself alone a person could go in- entirely insane because constantly different kinds of thoughts are arising from within that element in which he contains all the nations of the world and all of them are speaking within because all of these energies are included within his own inner world Aval, says the Rebbe. However, when he's s- sitting and and dwelling really around the other people, Yesh makam laham there's so much depth here and wisdom here. We could literally talk to the end just on this and the psychological implications. But what's beautiful about the Rebbe's Torah is that there's space. We're going to speak about this now also. Actually, that's the rest of the year. There is space for every person to find their own angle. Chas v'shalem, should I ever give off the impression to you that the way that I happen to be giving over these teachings is the way of understanding them. It's not. It's my way of understanding them. If you find value in that, fantastic. That's great. But every person needs to approach the words of the tzaddik, and particularly Rabbi Nachman, was in Neshama Kalalas, finding your own well, like what it what it means to you what it says to you and 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 that's mamish like a, a foundation of, of of my personal my personal approach right it may not be of yours in which case then i guess you do have to listen to me but that gets confusing but it, what spiritual individualism is super important to me i mamish believe in it so that's an important thing to say and there are many different angles here just one little nugget that i'll, I'll put out there You know what? I won't. I I won't. I'll let every person take from this what what they need. But it has a lot of psychological implication. Even outside of spiritual, there's a lot. Rabbi Nachman was way ahead of his time in this sentence where the Rebbe says that when there are other people, that inner battle can become manifest in the different archetypes, the different personality traits that different people have. And so a person doesn't have so much inner conflict. And I'll just, I'll throw out the word to those who are familiar, psychodrama. And if you know what that is, give out. And if you don't, you're probably lucky. But if you do know what that kind of therapeutic intervention is, you can begin to understand a little bit of where I'm, get, where I'm going with this. Right, that that's what happens in psychodrama. Different parts of the person's inner world that are constantly in conflict become held by other people. And, and it's, uh, it's, it's very freeing, very, very freeing. Okay. So when a person's around other people, says. So he says, um, Where are we? Right, right. Avol, right. When there are other people there, and conflict takes place, but it can take place within a healthier standpoint. And I think just an important point to point out here is that ordinarily the way that we think of it is that a clow, a collectivity of different people coming together as a tzibur, one might think that that leads to the erasure, to the eradication of each person's own personal standpoint. And what the Rebbe is saying over here is on the contrary. It's specifically when a person... Hopefully, in a healthy sense, a person gets together with other people. He doesn't start to become like them and they all become like each other. And now it's just like one mass of just, you know, robots that look and act exactly the same, that are programmed the same. In a healthy setting, the opposite happens. When we come into contact with other people, it enables that element that is uniquely ours to manifest in a way that if we were alone alone, we, it wouldn't necessarily. We'd, we'd ourselves contain all these different elements. But when a person who's more chesed-oriented hangs around a person who's more kvura oriented so then all of a sudden their chesed shines. And they become more unique. They become more themselves when they hang around others, not less. And this is counterintuitive, because sometimes the way that we think about our systems is that the more that you know, masses of people get together, it's like it's, one, it's just one unit. And there's something holy about that, there's something beautiful about that, without a question. But what should really be happening is that when a minion of people get together, it doesn't erase the unique personality of each member of the minion, on the contrary, it highlights the uniqueness of every member of the minion vis-a-vis the other. And maybe this is what Chazal, what the Psukim mean, when they say that this is what an Ish and an Ish are meant to be, azer Kenegdoi. They are, a, it's an assistant, so to speak, both the man vis-a-vis the wife, the wife vis-a-vis the husband, they are meant to help each other out. How? By being kineged. Because only if there is a neged, could then our unique nature emerge, and that's a very special thing that Rabbi Nachman speaks about over here. Let's finish the siyah, then we'll get into the kutei alachas. Hamachloike shebebeis hatzadik says the Rebbe. The same thing. Hugam kimichinas malchamis huumais. Same thing for. Arguments that take place in either the house of the tzaddik or the Hasidic court. Same thing. It says the same thing. What happened with the shvatim, the Yehuda, the said different inter battles that were taking place between the shvatim in the time of the like Shoftim and and, and in Nach, different shvatim were, were in discord, Yehuda and Yisrael and so on. And says the Rebbe, finally, and this all of us know intuitively because sin chinam, as we're all familiar and aware, is what contributed so greatly to the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash, says the Rebbe, the rectification of that is going to be the opposite of sin has chinam. When Mashiach comes to redeem the world, all of this machlekes will be null, will be removed. There will be a, an incredible degree of peace in the world. Kamashikasov, as the Passoghi in Shayawi says, etc. That whole chapter over there that's the famous psukim about a Garza Ebim that the wolf will dwell with the lamb. Everything will be filled with a spirit of peace, of oneness. Now, right off the bat, there seems to be a stira between this last line and what we just spoke about the azar connecti aspect of a person being around other people where their uniqueness is manifest so isn't that a good thing why when mashiach comes will be there such a great peace in the world of a garza even keves all contrasting elements will just coexist as one and i think that it should be clear that machloikis in and of itself, at its root, at its core, is not necessarily a detrimental thing. Machloikis. The, the, the shirish of the word machloikis is chelek. Chelek. Chelek means a piece. A puzzle box contains many different chalakim. Those pieces aren't at war one with the other. They're not, they're not in a state of machloikis. On the contrary, each one bringing its peace to the literal table, if that's where you happen to be putting the, the puzzle together, fits in with the other ones to complete a unified image. Shalom, peace, does not mean that everybody is now the same. It's not sameness. Peace is not sameness. Peace, even though they're spelled differently, connotes the ability for two separate pieces to merge. And therefore the passage doesn't say that the wolf will no longer be the wolf and the lamb will no longer be the lamb. It says that the wolf will dwell with the lamb. And the wolf will continue doing all the wolfy things that a wolf needs to do. As will the lamb. But they'll do so in coexistence. And that's crucially and fundamentally important to understand. When then does this Potentially positive experience become the opposite? When each puzzle piece wants so strongly to manifest its chelek of the picture that it begins to negate all the others. And that it wants to claim that only it is worthy and that it already contains the entirety of the portrait, which it doesn't. And therefore, it has no use for any of the other pieces. That That's tra- that's tragic. That's tragic, right? Because look what could have been and look what now is. And that's where Machloikis crosses the boundary between not only positive, productive, and Chas V'shalom becomes something that's absolutely destructive. And that's what Urb is going to teach in Before taking a look at Likuti Al-Lachis, just wanted to visit Chaim Haran for a minute, which is a really, really, really interesting source. We can't now get into the whole background of the Rebbe's trip to Eretz Yisrael, but very briefly, Rebbe Nachman, toward the end of his life, traveled to Eretz Yisrael, which certainly wasn't a trip as easy as it is to make today. It was an extremely arduous trip. It took him six months to get to Eretz Yisrael. It was during the time that Napoleon attacked and began his conquest in the Middle East. It was not a simple time, and it was not a simple journey. And at one time during the journey in Chaim Aran, we read, and there are a few passages about this, that Rabbi Nachman entered into what's referred to as a state of katnus, smallness. And the reason that he did this is because whatever the rebel was able to achieve by walking the soil of Eretz Yisrael certainly was not something that the Satan was going to let happen so easily. Rabbi Nachman actually said that he wanted all of the Torah that he had taught in the previous 20 odd years, a little bit more than that. Can't remember exactly what how, how old he was when he left, but it was 20 plus years of Torah that he had been teaching since his Bar Mitzvah. Rabbi Nachman said he wanted it all erased, not not published. Only what we have on the Qutamran is what he revealed in the last few years of his very short life. There are a few tires in the middle that are from pre-Eretz Yisrael. The overwhelming majority of the lessons, 90 plus percent of the lessons are from after Eretz Yisrael. So imagine what he attained and what he achieved. The Satan didn't want to let that happen. So there was a tremendous amount of opposition and obstacles and crazy situations he had to experience. And the Rebbe said that the way that he got over those obstacles was by going under them, it was by entering into such a state of katnus that the Yitzhar was like a trick, like she got, like like david melech right that story over there where he pretended to be crazy something similar to that right there was in a physical gashmiyistika sense so he would disguise himself and there's also spiritual disguise and that's what ibn akhman was doing. And so we read in Chaim Aran mm-hmm. Rabbi Nachman had tremendous suffering, awesome obstacles impossible to explain or express. And in Istanbul, in Istanbul Rabbi Nachman entered into a state of such katnus, smallness, immaturity in order to, to go like under the radar, so to speak. We can't even imagine it. And here he described, Vihilbish b'malbish He dressed himself in torn garments. <laughs> he started walking in the street barefoot. Imagine, Rabbi Nachman of Breslev, whatever you imagine him as being, I don't think you imagine him as barefoot, unless you're thinking of like the Nanachs, which is like also possible, maybe they're, <laughs> they're really walking with the sicha. But he went barefoot without a hat. And he walked in the street. He mamish started acting and pretending to be like the lowliest of the low. This is what he was doing over there. Was acting mamish like a like a like a child, like a child. And here's the important point for now. And Rabbi Nachman started like jokingly playing like war games, like little children play. <inaudible> like children that are busy like fighting one, like like making wars, fights one with one with the other, like cops and robbers type of thing, but between nations. And this v'chule, I think it's not brought here, but I think because I know that I've seen it. And I wasn't able to track down the source, but I think that what this V'chule says, which means etc., so something was left out here, is that Rabbi Nachman appointed nations to different children. He was one of the nations, they were other of the nations, and they acted out war games one with the other. We can't even speak about some of the things that were going on over there. A tremendous degree of, of tzachik, of just childishness and immaturity, smallness. But what I took from here is that which is certainly a part of the construction of the trying to move toward that time period where that from that place will shine out the light of peace, the Rebbe had to make tikkunim in this area of wars and individuals who manifest the nature of different nations as the Rebbe did at that time and in that place. And so I just thought it's an interesting connection between this Sikha that we're learning here, Sikha ayin Zion, and and this uh, piece from Chaim Aran where we see that the Rebbe actually started, you know, bringing... Bringing to, to, you know, to the fore this idea of how an individual can, so to speak, embody the energy of a nation and fight with others. Okay, now let's take a look at this incredible teaching from Lukut Ha'alachas. We'll try to read through it quickly. We still have some time. And we'll see how far we get. But it's fundamentally important. Mamish, fundamentally important, especially to people like us who feel passionate about a particular approach and of what is hashem most people they don't feel passionate about really anything but not anything in Yiddishkeit in the sense of like wow i found something that speaks to me It's just like whatever i'm orthodox jew and i'm not really passionate about one way or another so some of this might not even be relevant but for people that feel passionate about a tzaddik or a derech or a teaching this is super super crucial um, to understand and it's something that i I really have to work on a lot, and I'm aware of it, and I try. That is Hashem. But let's, uh, let, let's, let's, let's read this teaching from Rav Nassim together. Says the Rebbe, says Rav Nassim, same thing. The primary choices that an individual makes is an aspect of victory. Because this is the primary benefit of having free choice. What does it mean to be able to choose? To be able to choose means that already we presuppose the experience of choice by understanding there's got to be something that I'm more likely to choose and something that I'm less likely to choose, which means that there's something that is not misnagid to my approach, something I want to engage with, but there's going to be, a mis- not misnagir in the colloquial sense, but there's something that is serving as an obstacle. <speaking in Hebrew> something that prevents me from doing what I want to do, and I have free choice to choose. Do I want to choose, like I've mentioned in previous year, creation or creator? What do I want to choose? Which lifestyle in the context of Torah, Aleph and likut Sunlight of Redemption. Do I want to choose Yaakov Avino or Esav? There's always these two choices. Shemat Haivas, Midas different ways of living. that we, we just, we know in our good days and even our bad days, that's just not what I want. Might be stuck in it, but that's not what I want. That are trying to pull me away from what I know to be true and a person battles with them to overcome these choices that's why the human being is so elevated and he merits to what he merits if he merits to be able to make the right choices and to emerge victorious from this inner war and by the way again just we have to always throw in it's not a zero sum game life is not the war life is a series of battles and you win some and you lose some right but you don't make a wrong choice and then give up that that was a battle and okay sometimes you win, sometimes the opposite because you're human and you'll get back up and you'll fight the next one you'll fight the next battle all right and things will change and things will shift internally externally life is a journey life is a journey but there's no zero-sum game it's it's not not that way right so when he says Time by time, you know, not ultimately fundamentally, a person can never give up on themselves. The <speaking in Hebrew> because the whole world was created for this. Al. <speaking in Hebrew> Therefore, the whole entirety of creation is composed of contrasting elements. We've been speaking about this in the Shabbos year, if any of the have are following. We've been speaking very much about this the last couple of weeks in the context of Nagi mm-hmm. to very, very deep Hasagas there. The same kind of idea that the way that we experience the world is the world is filled with contrasting elements. And, and they're always battling one with the other, the different elements. Is there anything more dis, more different, one thing from the other, than fire and water? Right? Is there anything different more different than air and earth? But the whole world is composed from these contrasting, conflicting e- elements. And they're all like in this tension. That's what it means. They're in a tension one with the other. But ultimately, the world works. The world works. It works in a phenomenal, incredible way it works. If you have one thing wrong with your phone, it doesn't work. It's broken. Think about how much more infinitely complex nature is. Infinitely. We can't even imagine it. And it works. Nothing's wrong. Every single day we wake up and we didn't even have to talk about the world. Going back to the previous point, we talk about the person who's an olam katan. Think about how much is right with you today. Whatever you think is wrong with you, there are infinitely more things right with you than wrong with you. No matter what is going on in your life, to be able to breathe a second, a person, even going back to people who are mortally ill. should never hear from such a thing. Calls mom that they are currently breathing this morning. I'm saying a little bit of a dramatic thing now. A person could have a malignant stage four cancer. There is more right with them in that moment than, than not right with them. Because just to take a breath is a miracle, is an absolute miracle. How many things have to be right in your body to be able to function? How many things have to be right with the world for there to be a new dawn and a new day? incredible and what makes it even more incredible is that understanding the elements of which all of nature is composed you'd think that the world will blow apart every second because water has nothing to do with fire and earth has nothing to do with air so it's a it's it's literally a pellet and I use that word specifically because that's what the Torah says is the understanding of what we say when we use the rest when we come out we say it's a wonder says the Torah what's the wonder He says the wonder is that the person is made up of all these different contrasting elements and they function properly together. Neshama and guf. And that the air doesn't escape the body. All these different elements. Amazing thing. So every minute of a life, says Urbun we're reminded of the possibility for contrasting elements not only to devour one another, but to actually complement one another deepest thing. That's why Hashem had to make the world in such a strange, bizarre way because it's a teaching. It's not that it happens to be this way. It is a teaching and we're meant to be reminded of this every single waking moment when we engage with the world, when we look ourselves in the mirror. It's a teaching. It's a Torah. That enables them to survive. That enables them to survive because everything balances out that it's specifically through the individual elements and the contrasting natures of all things it's specifically then that they function so beautifully if there were to be too much of the element of fire finished if there'd be too much water it's the end of the world everything works in tandem one thing with the other I take but the moment that one of those elements starts to move beyond the, the the limit, the boundary, and it becomes more intense than the others, the whole thing is destroyed. That's why illness comes to the body. When there's too much of one thing and not enough of the other. This is certainly true in you know neurobiology, even though, modern science has somewhat moved away from that conception of the Arbiusoidus, you know, those four elements. That's how it used to be, the, you know, in the time of the Rambam and all, all the Sfarm of that age spoke about healing from that standpoint. There are still some that believe in that today to a degree. But when you think about neurobiology and you think about the way in which the brain and the different chemicals and the different... The word that I'm looking for... um serotonin, dopamine, all these different, there's a word for them, that are secreted by different parts of the brain, there has to be the right balance. Chas v'shalom, if a person has a kind of a, a brain tumor, chas v'shalom, that can cause for the excretion, I mean, there's other problems too, obviously, but it can cause, because of pressure being placed on certain parts of the brain, for too much or too little of something to be excreted, which beyond the issue of the tumor in and of itself, can throw the body for a loop, rachman alitzlan. I, I know this, Nebuch from a family member. Crazy, crazy, where there's too much of something in the body, Hashem Yishmar, the destruction that that can cause to a person. So the Rebbe, of course, was way ahead of his time, all these tzaddikim were. And they understood that this is the definition of unhealth when there's not a balance. And this is true across the board, in every area of life. The definition of unhealth is imbalance. That's what unhealth means. Unhealthy, imbalanced. Because balance is health, and health is balance. Says the Reb. says This whole thing is hinting to a person, Everything in the world was created for you, for you individually, each and every one of you, and for myself, alone. Like we already said, a person contains the whole world within him for a person to know. That a person also needs to bring into creation what they need to bring into creation. But it cannot be chutzla gvol. It's got to be in order, in measure. It's got to be to contribute to the synthesis and the balance of a world that is founded upon Torah and Avoidah. It's got to be balanced, though. Not to manifest our own personality in such a way that we're trying to deepen our experience of covet or for If it's for those reasons, it's chutz causes a destruction in society, chutz shalom, it causes a destruction. How many times have we seen this? Where even though someone's L'Shem shemaim rips a family apart, rips a shul apart, rips communities apart? Because it's chutz l'gavol. It's like the ocean swelling beyond their gvul. It drowns a city. So that means that water is a terrible thing. or no, water is a wonderful thing. When it stays where it's supposed to stay. That's what we call machlekes. Even a person who thinks that he really is... is Intention is for the truth. He wants to go ahead and manifest his strength of character for the purpose of doing this holy thing or that holy thing. It's true, we gotta be strong in this. Listen to these all important words. Truer words never been spoken. A person has to be careful because all of us want to do so many wonderful, holy things that it shouldn't be at the expense of the balance of life. Not going to go now into personal stories, unfortunately. I've seen this so often. And Hebra mean well, the Imamish mean well, and it's the toughest thing to be able to navigate because you have extreme statements in Breslov. And you have people that genuinely, they, they want to do what the Rebbe says. And the Rebbe says the most important thing in the world is to be in Uman for Rosh Hashanah. I'm using this as one example. But how many shalom bias issues has that caused for so many people who didn't make the proper shikal hadas in such a way that it ended up having not just not a positive impact, but an incredibly detrimental impact. To the point that when they grew up a little bit and they matured, and again, people have told this to me, and they looked back and they said, you know something, what was that? Why did I do that? And this is one example. So life is a multivariate equation. And all of us mean well. But we have to remember that within the breast of sources in and of themselves, we find this element of being able to stop to make a shikal hadas person's got to be strong in what they want to do. <laughs> the Godel Hashem's name is erased because of Shalom bias. Hashem's own name is erased, as the Gemara tells us in the context of Saita. Chas <laughs> to hold on to I don't know if it's a diarabonon, if it's a diaraisa, if it's a takana, if it's a gezerah. I don't know what it is. To rip a family apart. Chas <else>., Now a person has to know that sometimes there are things you have to take a stand. That's where the conflict is. I don't want to either hear or say something extreme, to, to err on the side of caution. It's complicated. But engage with decisions with this awareness. Right? That there are many, many different factors that come into play in any decision that we make. A person needs to try as much as possible to minimize Even though this person thinks genuinely, and maybe they're right, that they are fighting Sheem Shemaim. For the right reason. I'm sorry. That's a, that's a, that's a really tough one, right? To really start to do self-assessment and to really ask oneself, like, why do I really want to do this? Says so the, the heart really knows if this is a good thing or if this is not so good. Al-Kain, and here comes the key point. I'm sorry. The therefore, when a person sees another friend, and this is what the context of the halacha is. Rabbi Nasan is going on the halacha that a person makes a shachiyanu when they see a friend that they hadn't seen in a very long time. Says Rabbi Nasan. Wow. The whole entire tyra relies on two Jews seeing each other and giving each other a hug and expressing to each other how precious it is that they're friends, that they've seen each other. Is the foundation of the Torah. But the way their Abnasan is defining what's happening when two individuals can coexist is much deeper than just, you know, it's important to love everyone. It's much deeper. Because the says Reb what does it mean? The premise of it is that you are different than your friend and yet you're able to coexist. Says Reb this is the foundation of the whole Torah. Balance is the foundation of the whole Torah. Health is the foundation of the whole Torah. Individuality within collectivity is the purpose of the whole Torah. It's the foundation of the whole Torah. Every person's different. And they didn't bemoan that fact, they celebrated it. Every person's different. And everything is because, like we said, That's how Kiddush Baruch created the world, that everything is different. The same is true for people. Every single individual is unique, is different, is special in a certain way. And when it comes to the realm of holiness, this is not a negative. This is the greatest positive ever. And if we could build a system around this, and really stop trying to make each person like on an assembly line, how much more beautiful Yiddishkeit would be? Says R' and Ubi Kedusha. When it comes to the realm of holiness, Tsrichim Kol Abachinus. We need every single individual not to be identical to the Rebbe, but to be them. We need every individual to be themselves. Everything we spoke about, the blend and the coexistence and the complementary nature of all the different contrasting elements coming together. That's where Midas come from. Some people are more fire people, some people are water people, some people are more uh, uh, air people. Different people have different Yisodos. Different sharish Neshama a person who has one yisod, whether it's Afar or esh or Maim or Ruach that's stronger in that person he's going to be that's his nature that's her nature and the next guy is going to be something else when it comes to the realm of holiness a person that really wants the truth and the word MS you'll notice we've said this in the past but it's a very fundamental teaching is composed of the letters Aleph, Mem, and Tav, which is the whole Aleph base from beginning to end, which means that it contains all different aspects. That's what Ms is. So, a person whose kavanase is Ella Ms says Reb again. I, I made it bold. It's such a crucial teaching. This teaching. A person absolutely needs to hold true to his own unique element, to that path that he's chosen. That's another key word. We hardly choose anymore in our communities. We are are chosen for. We don't choose. We've taken away Bechira in a certain sense. How beautiful it is if a person chooses, Amish chooses what they want to learn. This goes back to what we learned last time, right? Different drachim of learning. Person chooses what their Sharish Neshama is. Without guilt and without shame and without pressure and anxiety. Choose. That path that's aligned with the person's own unique element. And a person cannot allow any person to come along and to knock them down. Got to be strong and firm in what you believe. I shouldn't have split the paragraphs it's a continuation. Every person needs to be as Kanamer, bold like a leopard. Mamish bold. Aval, but this having been said and all of this being absolutely true,, the puzzle piece needs to recognize its unique contribution, but not to the negation of the other puzzle pieces. It's the strongest thing in the world. And this, by the way, we've spoken about, I believe, in, in chapter five in the story of our lives, speaks a lot over there about the Shvilmanat Sad, the path to the side, spiritual individualism. We speak over there about each person finding their own way. Person's gotta be strong in their own individuality. But at the same time, we've got to allow others to choose their path too. And this shouldn't cause hatred between one person and another. Because that person is not exactly doing what I think that that person needs to do. A person should approach another person as saying, hey, there's a bigger picture here, and I'm a part of it, and you're a part of it, and I gotta be this part of it, and guess what? You got to be that part of it, and we can get along, and we can respect each other. This is what it means. It's not live and let live, okay, whatever, like we don't care about anybody else. On the contrary, we care so much about everybody else. That we recognize the way in which that person cares just as deeply as I do about the thing that we both mutually care about. Which is this portrait that both I and he or she are coming together to convey or to portray. He has to be strong about what his derech is and what he believes and what path is right for him or her. To begin to look at other people, you're trying, they're trying too. you found your way, they found their way, let them be. Not only let them be as a bediev, like, okay, whatever, like they haven't found the truth yet, no. If they aren't what they need to be, you are less. You are made less if they are not doing what they need to do. Because the only reason you're doing what you need to do is to play your role in this collective image. And to the degree to which that person is is really not remaining true to their own internal unique nature, the whole portrait misses out. And you miss out as well. And I miss out too. Says the Rebbe, you got to look at other people with an eye in Taiva. To find some good in what that other person is doing in a way, ava Im chavere, ayin so that there can be love among us, love between us. And this is the fundamental foundation of the three weeks. This is what it means, the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed. What does the Beis HaMikdash stand for? It's the coming together of all of Am Yisrael. Kol at Seaboard, Seaboard is Rosh Hashanah, all different kinds of people, each person with their own thing, with their own path, and their own nature. All contributing together to one collective revelation, the giloy of Hashem's presence in the world. And when that stopped happening, when there was infighting, and when we lost this... You, when we lost this collective universal picture of what Am Yisrael is in this world to do, and it became about my way, and your way, and this is the right way, no, this is the right way, and it became about pettiness and smallness, and when we minimized this great experience of Yiddishkeit to our own personal motivations, it devolved into sinaschina. And if we want to get back to that time of the ge'ulah, where the Pasuk says, Gar keves, that whole chapter there in Yishayo Yod Aleph, then we have to rectify this at this time. And we have to remind ourselves again, why are we doing what we're doing? Why are we passionate about this path or that path? Not for me, not for you, but for Him, for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I'm a piece in the puzzle. And I'm no better, and I'm certainly no worse, but I'm no better than any other piece. And when I recognize that, and this is a good trick peace leads to peace. When I recognize that I'm just a piece of the puzzle, then there can be peace between my puzzle piece and the other puzzle pieces. Then there can be peace. <laughs> And then, says the Rebbe, you know what else happens? We stop being so defensive. We stop being so closed off to other people's perspectives. We're not threatened by other people anymore. On the contrary, we embrace different perspectives. We want to hear how other people think about things. We become more nuanced. And this is... I wish I had another hour now. I don't, but I have another minute. But I, every minute contains an hour. But I just say very, very briefly, and this will end, and we'll have to do part two, because every word here is, is really deserves full attention. One last point I'll make. I'm passionate about Breslov. You may have noticed, right? I, I'm really passionate about Rabbi Nachman. I, I really believe that Rabbi Nachman saved my life. And I I can't begin to articulate what I've gained from having this figure on my radar um, and his teachings and and so on. And so a lot of people can look at me as having one derech and one path and I'm extremely you know focused on one perspective and then I go ahead and I say that this is a perspective that needs to be embraced by all or that so many people can benefit just let them be. Because it seems contradictory in and of itself right? And what I'd suggest, and this is something that I think about very often, is that it's not really that way. Because the message of Rabbi Nachman is for every person to be them. And so I, you, you can't portray the Breslover path as being one hyper focused path, but there are others when the whole Breslov path is enabling people to embrace their own path right it's it's not a particularist approach it is a approach that focuses so particularly on universality that it provides chizik for every person in their own derech. and i think that's really important as a person that's passionate about breslev but is also passionate about these ideas to be able to have in your in your you know in your uh Weaponry, you know to be able if, if you ever feel challenged in that way like that's a really important perspective That's what Breslov is right Breslov really is something that's universally applicable. It encourages every person to fully and robustly Engage with the Yiddishkeit that feels right to them and, th- and that's what Breslov is right and so that's just an important thing to keep in mind as well um, and with that we'll close let's just get to the bold line and we'll finish So he says, a person is not worried anymore. And a person is able to learn from everyone. Like David Avraham says, I learned from from all of my teachers I've learned. A person's strongly holding on to what they know to be true. They're not worried that somebody else is going to now convince them something else. They know who they are. They're confident. They can go on the offensive. They can go and spread the message they need to spread. Not, not defensive. I feel challenged. Person is strong in what they believe. Afal but this doesn't lead to This doesn't lead to now looking down on other people and being suspicious of other people's messages and saying, oh, I'm not interested to hear what anybody else has to say. On the contrary, that means that on the con- that means, even though it looks like a person so strong, no, it means that they're so weak that they have to put up such big walls. No walls, then you're very strong. Don't care. You have a strong army. You don't need walls. was able to love everybody. Even though that person happens to have their own path. My sweetest, dearest friends healthier words are very hard to come across in svarim. They just are because every safer is doing its thing and, and it's all beautiful. We have to appreciate the sweetness of Rabnasan, the normalcy. He was a normal person. He was a normal, healthy person. And I think that the more that we're reviewing these words, we can come to balance in our lives. And when we come to balance in our lives and there's shalom among ourselves, That's what Rabbi Nachman said in his Sikha. We bring peace to the whole world. We really do. We shine a light of balance and health and nuance to the whole world. We become much better people to to hang around. Our friendships are stronger. We become more open people, and it doesn't threaten what we are and and and, and who we are and what we stand for. On the contrary, it can only aid. So remember, peace equals peace. Peace spelled like puzzle pieces, and peace collectively. That's who we are. Be strong in your indian Be strong in your union. But that doesn't mean that that has to negate the value of all the other puzzle pieces. You can learn from them. They can learn from you. We can all learn from each other. Let's hold on to this universal drive of what all of us want. Not for me personally, for you personally, individual. Hashem. We're moving toward the gu'ula. We have to think about things in a very, very big way, in a broad way, in a deep way. What a privilege. What a privilege. Thank you for sharing this teaching with me, learning this with me. Ashrenu, chavra.